0: Hello, uh, oh, i, the, <laughs> I
1: like the Skype will stop. Hello, and uh, welcome to the Truebuddy Show. My name's James Truebuddy. This is my show and today we go back to the beginner's guide to japanese professional wrestling which we haven't looked at literally all year because there's been that much new wrestling to watch with that many companies throwing up good cards all year long we kind of stayed away from the history and i promised a couple weeks ago i said we we should get back to the history because everyone likes the history it's what we're known for so today we're going to start an entirely new topic which judging by the response from john we're only going to do one episode of (laughs)
0: what no way we need to do more of this
1: okay then so we are going to skip a little bit forward in our wrestling history because we've reached the point in japanese professional wrestling history that arguably could be called the dark ages between around about 2002 and to around about 2015 there's like a 13 year period where there are not full cards easily available to you on youtube and we try and do shows that you can either get through a streaming service or you can find on YouTube. So it's one of the reasons why we haven't done so much of the Japanese at the beginning of to, to Japan, is because it's hard finding cards. And then I had a thought, ooh, what about Hustle? Now, Hustle is a company that I had not watched anything of, but I heard about the legend of Hustle through Power Slam magazine, uh, founded and edited by the legendary Finley Martin, who I used to do a podcast with back in the WrestleTalk TV days. And Finley, did a great job of explaining how Hustle worked, which was good because in my head, I had to figure out all of the little bits. And we also haven't looked much at New Japan on the Beginner's Guide to, to Japanese Wrestling because quite frankly, it was a bit boring. It isn't, if you like, Inokiism, but there was a lot of Inokiism going off. So, and the, a lot of this is tied in with what's happening with New Japan. A lot of it is tied in with what's happening with all Japan because of what happened with Noah. But the basic principle of this is it's a bit crazy. As someone described it, professional wrestling opera. It is the big dramatic production. I would describe it as the kind of television show Vince McMahon would produce if he had the guts, but he doesn't. John, why had you heard of Hustle before this? Or was I just dumping it in your lap cold?
0: I had basically heard the name before, but I knew nothing of it. I've literally so, heard the, the company name come up in conversations about Japanese indies that never got the love they deserved and that was about it. They never told me what it was. They never told me who was involved with it. And so this was going into it almost blind and um, yeah, bewildered.
1: <laughs> so to discuss this we need to talk about two wrestling promotions <laughs> that <laughs> happened before Um hustle became a thing okay now the two wrestling promotions would be rings which was easily the most successful shoot style wrestling promotion of all time because it wasn't really a shoot style wrestling promotion it was more shoot than shoot style so we haven't really talked about it because we don't really cover mixed martial arts on this show we cover wrestling so when wrestling did becomes cover- bit too.
0: was rings not on that time when we did two shoot fight tournaments in a row
1: no, was one that of those was
0: Rings. Or was that? No, that was UWF.
1: That no, it was yeah. the comp- It was Battle Arts and the company that came after UWF. Right. Ah, right. Which I can't remember off the top of my head. I think you have only but, ever
0: covered Rings on the Tokyo Dome. I'm sure.
1: Yes, we did talk about Rings, but not actually cover Rings like in depth. Um, but what did happen with Rings was it was owned by Akira Maeda, who took the money he earned from Rings and started a new company that was behind K1 Kickboxing and Pride Mixed Martial Arts, two of the most successful mixed martial arts companies in history. K1 um, was a genius idea of having an eight-person kick, not kickboxing tournament, three rounds. It was a bit like um, tough man boxing, but done on a big stage, big production, um, and they made tons of money because they found some really killer fighters who were really good at presenting themselves. Um, like uh, Rob Sapp and Jerome Labonaire, and they made loads of money. They also started off Pride, which uh, featured an awful lot of former pro wrestlers who were of the shoot style, like Sakuraba, but also also made a ton of money. And the overarching company behind that was called uh, TDE. And I'm trying to remember the name of the company, um, the, the what the initials for it was... Ah, oh, where was it? I've got to find it on here. Uh, yeah. um, Something Something Entertainment, that was it, TDE was the overarching company, anyway. Now, equally, we did talk about before UWFI and specifically Nobuhiko Takada falling out of favor in around about 1997, and we left, last left Nobuhiko Takada with his arm raised high above kieji muto as he held the iwgp heavyweight championship which was a good place to leave him because by gum it was all downhill from there Uh, (laughs) having got yeeted by Shinya Hashimoto a couple of months later in the tokyo dome new japan walked away from their talent swap agreement with uwfi and the uwfi folded like a pack of cards very very quickly because you know they were in trouble that's the reason why they talked to new japan in the first place because Shoot style fighting is really hard on the body, you can't run that many shows, you have to charge really high ticket prices for it, therefore, not many people want it to come. So, it's ever diminishing returns as you wear your roster down, and that's the reason why shoot style fighting is not really the prevalent style of professional wrestling today. But it was popular for a while in short bursts. So, Takada is really trying to find a job and he moves on to shoot fighting. He appeared in one of the UFCs, he appeared in Pride, but a couple of things he was already athletically passed his prime and secondly he did buy off a couple of people to win some fights which didn't go down well <laughs> because they were slightly they're afraid he might lose and therefore lose his aura so by the time we get to 2004 Takao's out of a job and looking for something to do as if his crew from uwfi um uh but akira maeda is rolling in the cash and has got this entire uh, production company that is moving the idea forward of how uh, mixed martial artists, mixed martial arts, should be presented in big tournament-style stadium shows, long before UFC did it. And then they decide that they're going to start a wrestling promotion, <laughs> but it's going to be a completely different style of professional wrestling. And the actual thing starts at a Pride uh, press conference where Pride chairman Nobuyuki Saki Kiribra, uh criticized professional wrestling and declared it inferior to mixed martial arts. Um, and one of the people there happened to be um, Neo Ogawa, who had grown up as a judo fighter, been a main eventer for New Japan Pro Wrestling, moved on to Pro Wrestling 01 with his mentor, Shinya Hashimoto, more of that later, and was now involved in Hustle. And he took exception to it. And then Nobuyuka Takada and, uh, and Yoshi Angeo, formerly of UWFI, said, oh, no, 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 M- MMA is far better than professional wrestling. And they decided to have a tournament where wrestlers of a were picks and wrestlers of Takada's picks would create this new company, which became known as... Hustle. Agawa ended up being called Captain Hustle because he was the leader of the Hontai team. And Nobuyuki Takada, the man who tried to bring professional wrestling to realism and to sports-like presentation, ended up being Generalismo Takada, General Takada, leader of the the Hustle Monster Army. And he tried every which way he could to destroy Ogawa and the baby faces, And... That's pretty much the whole story. Uh, John, your thoughts? Does it make more sense now?
0: A bit. I'm just glad now that I was looking at the dictator guy saying, that's that's (laughs) Takada. Now I feel validated because I couldn't find Jack shit on Cage Match telling me it was Takada.
1: Yes. We never actually
0: fought as Takada, apart from in a couple of events later down the line.
1: Yeah, it's uh, a bit bizarre, but Takada didn't wrestle on these shows. Um, he did occasionally, but
0: he, he was mainly to stand there at the end of each like house show and give a speech.
1: Oh yeah, I did a... this. Like I said, this is this is pro wrestling. This is a storyline led as pro wrestling got in Japan, and people who say like you know um oh japanese wrestling it's just boring because there's no talking they need to do more promos to present themselves properly this is what happens and this company lasted six years (laughs) so not always um but yeah so that's the reason why this show exists and why it actually is here now we're looking at two shows today hustle house and volume one and volume two which are two smaller shows which were both presented from Currican Hall. The old layout of Currican Hall. Where everyone was packed in like a tin of sardines. 2,200 in a hall. That was never built, built to own more than 1,800. Um, but it, they were sellouts. And they were hot, hot crowds. So they were good ones to pick. But yes. This is wrestling at it's most weird.
0: And wonderful.
1: And, and wonderful. In many different directions. Because um, when we get through some of these names. Whoa.
0: <laughs> no, but then when you get to some of the people playing those names, you're just like, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's 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 it. It's it's all a bit strange. So each show started um in the back room where General Zicada had been watching what had happened on the previous hustle show and wanted to resolve some issues. So he would send out his oppo, which was Formerly heel referee Yuji Shimada, who would then go out and make a challenge to Naeo Ogawa, who was the captain of Hustle. Amazingly, Ogawa made his pro wrestling debut against Shinya Hashimoto in the main event of the Tokyo (laughs) Dome. uh ago made his debut in new japan pro wrestling on april 12 1997 at the tokyo dome replacing ken shamrock as the opponent of shinya hashimoto and he won with any one with a chokehold you cannot guess that antonio naki was booking that composition company at the time <laughs> and then amazingly this is this is great in 1999 is involved in one of those controversial moments in New Japan history. During his anticipated rubber match, because they had a big, long feud over two years with Shinya Hashimoto, Agawa broke kayfabe and shot on Shinya Hashimoto, attacking him for real, leaving him downed and bloody with kicks and stomps. There presumably then happened a riot between his UWFO faction and the New Japan faction, Um, and cornerman man Kazunira Makarima was hospitalized by Takeshi Isuka, you know the guy with the bald hair and the beard yeah, that just his, retired yeah. from Suzuki gun Him! <laughs> yeah, he used to be a bit of an arm bastard back in the day. Uh, and after all that, turns out that Inoki had asked Agawa to shoot on Hashimoto to create some tension.
0: What?
1: So that, that's what you do to create some tension. You ask one of your genuinely scary judo player Olympic standard fighters to go attack the biggest draw in the history of your company. And let's see what happens.
0: Not the smartest idea I've ever heard, but apparently it worked.
1: Yes, not long after that, uh, Agao went on to be NWA heavyweight champion of the world. um, uh, And then got involved with Shinya Hashimoto again, because the whole NWA thing was basically a, a square off between a British wrestler called Gary Young, who trained at Hammerlock and was one of the first wave of the great British wrestlers that we've had in the last 10 years, like Zack Sabre Jr. Um, and uh, Mark Andrews and all those guys. There was a, the, the, he's, Gary Young was the guy who was that before. That. It was 25 years ago now, but he was the first one to really make an international standard. Um And uh, he beat Agawa for the title, and then there was a bit of a triangular trade-off between Shinya Hashimoto, uh, Young, and Steve Corino, which all becomes really pertinent because all three of them ended up in Pro Wrestling Zero One. Because despite being beaten up by Agawa, Hashimoto knew money when he saw it. So it you know, we...
0: was a good thing to know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So that's got us caught up because Pro Wrestling 01 we've talked about with Alex and you, I think, it was when we looked at that Pro Wrestling 01 versus all Japan card. Anywho, that brings us to Hustle. So uh, the first show we're going to look at is Hustle Volume 1. And, of course, like we said, Agawa and... Um, where is he gone? Yeah, uh, Shimada come out and lay out the matches for the day. And the opening match was... Kazayashi and Leonardo Spanky I'll be spanky to most Western fans, versus the Maximo brothers Joel and Jose Maximo and it went for 10 minutes and 48 seconds what are your thoughts on this one?
0: Um, I think just to clarify to people that Leonardo Spanky is the Brian Kendrick coming out to an EDM version of My Heart Will Go On in <laughs> the tightest trunks you will ever see
1: it's, oh, yeah, you, you could tell he wasn't Jewish.
0: It's an entire <laughs> experience.
1: It did. Uh, mm. I'm yeah. Kazayashi. Kazayashi fresh back off his WCW run.
0: Like, I've seen a lot of the Maximos in old school MLW, so I knew what to expect to a degree, but this was just chaos. It was really <laughs> fun, all over the shop wrestling. It's just.
1: I- I was going to say, I think the Maximos came along about five years too early because, essentially, they were doing the shtick the Young Bucks did, like, five years later. But the Young Bucks kind of, like, perfected it, whereas the Maximos were kind of, like... They were were there, but they weren't quite far enough there.
0: No, they got stuck on the sidelines when, like, the real boom came along, which is a shame because they were one of the most charismatic and, well, just... Talented tag teams in the U.S. at that time period, and obviously in Japan.
1: Yeah, they go as far as a WWE tryout, but that was about it. Or a dart match, I think. That's but the yeah.
0: wrestling, though. They're the s now. All right, there you go.
1: Um, Hayashi and Spanky were great in this match as well. It's ju- it's just fun. It's the way you're supposed to start a Japanese wrestling show, isn't it? Just yeah. mind mindless fun of no particular order. Um, but yeah. Lots of lucha stuff in this. Lots of lucha exchanges. You forget how good Kazayashi is. Kazayashi still wrestles in the same style that now, 21 years after this. And I'll be honest with you, Hustle reminds me a lot of Glate, which is Hayashi's baby at the moment. He's chief booker for Glate, isn't he? Yeah. And uh, I, I see a lot of not the psychodrama, crazy stuff, but the big names of shoot wrestling versus the big names of pro wrestling kind of thing that's that sticks with him i think but yes we'll talk about them later on as well second match was monsieur de Barbarossa, and he defeated shimoji fuji in five minutes 57 seconds mr fuji uh was on a hiding to nothing because this had enhancement talent written all over it and the fact he doesn't have a cage match paid tends to suggest that his career did not last much longer than this match Unfortunately, Mister B- Mr. De- B- Monsieur de Barbarossa. Um, yeah, Jason the legend, Jason X, George King, Alexander the Great, uh, trained by Don Kolov. Um, not really know much about him, but, but he had the body. He retired in 2005.
0: Just to explain to people, Monsieur de Barbarossa is a Shinigami pirate. So he is a demonic, resurrected... Pirate created from a corpse that was brought back to evil Takada's lair.
1: Oh yeah, forgot about that. Takada has magical powers. Need to make that point clear.
0: It explains why several of the wrestlers on here
1: are what they are. Yeah, because it's a monster army,
0: and they took that literally.
1: Oh yeah, this is the thing. Is like Takada was like literally ten years before Takada had gone. You know, he'd literally said, I have an open challenge to any of the heavyweight champions of the major companies in the professional wrestling world who I will beat because I am the greatest professional wrestler in the world because I am real and they are fake. And then 10 years later, there he is. Got magical powers. He's running an army. And uh, dressed like a Street Fighter character. M. Bison. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that was that. But yeah, this was a job batch. And about as jobby as it going to get, really. It was not yeah, particularly... Nasty. Can't remember, what was the finish? I may have they, blocked it
0: out. They called it a Caribbean backbreaker. But it was like the Canadian backbreaker position. Mm. But instead of kind of dropping him forward, it almost looked like an inverted fire thunder <laughs> to the driver. So the guy just kind of ate shit on his head. It looked... Which
1: may be the reason why he's no longer wrestling.
0: <laughs> it's... Oh... It looked rough. (laughs) It was probably fine, but just the camera angle they picked was quite clever.
1: Oh, dear. Right, we'll move on to the next match, which was Hiritoki Yoki defeated Psycho the Death in six minutes. (laughs) Hiritoki Yokoi is a a former judo player and he wrestled for about a five-year period um um and yeah he he was all right he wasn't anything particularly to write home about psycho of the death was an american indie wrestler from austin texas um who was real was um works under the gimmick currently of dog Cheetham um been known yeah, as psycho he was- yeah, he he's also
0: was awesome- a bloody week <laughs> yeah
1: he was but Booked as Psycho Simpson, a.k.a. Psycho the Death Which makes no sense Because it's just bad English
0: <laughs> uh, It's funny because they gave him this massive promo video That just made it Because they kept referencing Akiyabara Which is obviously where all the anime fans go And so it's like There's lunatics escaped from akihabara And I'm just thinking Oh god, it's a weeb wrestler 20 years before weeb really took off
1: no, no, just just a crazy guy from Austin. But it is like there is a certain stretch of political incorrectness that goes through this promotion. It is Don't somewhat insensitive. Such a weird song. Well, this entire this entire show, the theme song for Hustle House is "Pasture of Muppets" by Phoenix TX, which tells you an awful lot about what the show is going to be. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, there's nothing wrong with either of them. They could both go. And it was a fairly solid match. It was just worried me that this, you know, slight misrepresentation of mental health that 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 has been presented here before us.
0: That was two thousand and four.
1: <laughs> yeah. But you know, with Dad Norman the lunatic back in the late nineties, and this essentially was the same shit because, you know, he had a soft toy that he loved and protected at all costs. And so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, bit weird Like the whole thing, bit weird Nothing wrong with it, absolutely perfectly perfectly Acceptable professional wrestling match It,
0: kind of, it feels fitting that we're recording this on Halloween Doesn't it, because we're talking about monsters
1: It is and By the way, if you listen to the wrestling Rewinds that were posted yesterday uh, Two horror shows for you Because Dave and Dara Looked at uh, No Evil And uh, Escape The Undertaker as film reviews And the other horror show was Dara and Martin looking at Crown Jewel. See what I did there? Anyway, yeah. um, But yes, I've got to listen to them. Um, What was that? Yeah. Did any thoughts on the match itself?
0: Yeah, it was fine. Like, both guys were clearly having fun. They got to work. They worked together really well. It was just six minutes of pretty decent wrestling.
1: There you go. That was that. All right, then. Next involves people we actually know about because we watch them wrestle on a regular basis, in a completely different manner to which they are wrestling here. Flying Vampire 16 and Flying Vampire 23, who have no cage match page either, and we I could bid anyone, uh, defeated Ryo Ryuji Sai, who is currently an indie wrestler and described by his one of his cage match followers. Uh, described him as 50% of everything this man does has a good chance of killing another man. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was great. And he is really stiff. Like, really stiff. And the other one is another young wrestler called Taichi Ishikara. That Chi. Yes, him. Of Suzuki gun of Mio Abe, of the singing, of the laziness for a good 10 years of his career. Him. He's That's on the this best card. Best
0: wrestler in New Japan. Eh,
1: top three at the moment, I would say. Anyway,
0: to say, this is it. I used to say that, and you'd get laughed out of the room. But these days, nobody can argue
1: why. No, but see this on this card. You see how good he was then. It's it, it is literally like watching a different wrestler. There's nothing he does now that um, he did then. But you can see. All the stuff that he sees going on around, around him in Hustle is what makes his character so compelling now. He's standing it, and he's learning.
0: He's like the living embodiment of the drama this company loved so much.
1: <laughs> See, this is the thing. I mean like Charlton goes on about his all Japan start and all that, and so does Kevin Kelly. I think they need to be talking more about Hustle. <laughs> Cause, you know, it's 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 intriguing. So where? we'll have a look, but yes, I mean he was an All Japan trainee, and a lot of All Japan talents were on these shows, as a lot of Wrestle One talents were on these shows. Uh, so no, zero Wrestle Zero One talents were on these shows. Not Wrestle One; that was an entirely different company. But you, but you, you got to do that. But the actual match itself, the Flying Vampires were an intriguing bunch yeah. <laughs> um, of Lucha Libre kind of style wrestlers. It looked really thin. They looked like they needed a good dinner. Am I wrong? No, they
0: were quite they were definitely um underfed vampires.
1: Yes, they were needed a good they meal.
0: 16 and 23? What happened to seventeen through twenty two?
1: Or indeed one through fifteen. I mean, maybe it's like the dark order.
0: Maybe. Maybe. I mean,
1: there is there is uh, some in, there was some intrigue this week because Bray Wyatt changed his name to Wyndham Seven, <laughs> and there is no Seven in the Dark Order. <laughs> it's like ah, everyone went crazy for that one. But yeah, um, but yeah, it, it, again, there's nothing wrong with it, and it, and again, they're vampires because they've been picked by Takada to go up against these wrestlers. So there we are. <laughs> Again,
0: it's just a really fun match where you can talk. Like, the rest thing itself is so solid, you don't really need to talk about it. Like, you can see everyone knows how to work. The more unique thing is the fact that they are not but vampires, but also flying vampires. Ooh. Yes. Which basically is the no... luchadors.
1: I was going to say, like, don't all vampires fly because they're bats?
0: But these ones didn't need to be bats to fly. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yes, they, it was fine. There's nothing. Wrong, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the actual wrestling itself. It's just the entire setting is just so strange. But let us move on to the next card, which featured again another abomination of anti-PC culture. Katakari, who was a Native American, we were led to believe. I do not know. I do not wish to.
0: You do realize um, that. The wrestler that plays uh, Katakari and I think they changed the name in Volume 2 to something like um, like slightly to where is it? Yeah, to Hisakari.
1: Hisakari, yes.
0: Is the guy that uploaded the show like the Volume
1: oh 2 Oh my show. god, I did not know <laughs> that. That's ace. Oh. I'm not sure if
0: he uploaded both, but I double checked the channel when I was watching the second one because and it's just like, yeah, the the indie wrestler, who's still going.
1: Of course like, he is.
0: Who's been documenting, like, his wrestling journey, uploaded the full second show. I'm not sure if he uploaded the first one. I cannot remember.
1: I could only find two. Um, To give you an idea, this was rated as four by the cage match users. We'll tell you how good it is. None of the matches are rated at all. Um... And none of them have got enough votes to be eligible for a, for a review. So maybe if you guys are members of Cage Match, you can go and give this show a review once you've listened to us do it. Uh, yeah, but anyway, Katakari, as he was known at this point, and changed his name a couple of months later, uh, was defeated, unsurprisingly, by the King Destroyer, Shinya Hashimoto. And it, 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 it wasn't quite a massacre that we'll see later on this card, but it wasn't far off. Because Ashimoto's style at the time was start, slow, build to a finish. And he only got 8 minutes and 21 seconds. So the build to a finish part was basically the last 21 seconds where he threw the kitchen sink at Katakari and unsurprisingly destroyed him. I mean, to be fair, he gave Katakari a good run, uh, but then when it was over, Ashimoto was having none of that particular basket of it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's like, right, you've had your moment, Bam! (laughs)
1: <laughs> it is it is the like it's the burt azarati theory of professional wrestling as uh um joe Cornelius said in his autobiography about burt azarati Burt would make you look amazing for two rounds and then murder you <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was that so but yeah so that that was that 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 was about, it was the oh, oh yeah we also point out it was an afro hair match
0: with didn't come into it at all i don't think i saw a wig once and that was it and i'm just like what the hell's the
1: wig there for because hashimoto on the previous pay-per-view had come out with a big afro wig for no apparent reason yeah
0: do you think the last the big show they had before this one had Foley on it and i was just like wow so they (laughs) were drawing people in
1: and more to the point, it had Mick Foley on it when he was still working for WWE. He wasn't an independent yet. Vince let him go do it, because it was a ridiculous amount of money. I think WWE actually got um pay for that as well. And there was a triple crown tile defense on that card as well.
0: Like, holy shit, this weird little monster opera of a wrestling company is getting everything into it. It's it's impressive.
1: It is you know, it did the. They were doing some weird and wonderful things, and they were getting wrestlers from all over. Yeah, that was. They they essentially, I think someone described it. It was the it was the premier checkbook wrestling company. Like, you you. Some people accuse Tony Khan of being a money mark because he does checkbook wrestling. He signs up all the people that are fr- are free marketeers. Uh, which I don't completely agree with. It's because he has a different working practice to other wrestling companies. is one of the reasons why he signs people. Um, So, yeah, but that used to be a phrase called money marks. That's what people like uh, Dixie Carter would have been accused of being a money mark for sure. Um, And probably Billy Corgan until people realized he actually knew what he was doing. Um, But, yeah, there was a considerable kind of theory that the apostle was just spending money, like it was going out of fashion in a way of hot show and promotion. And it was, can't deny that, but they were doing interesting and artistically different things with it, if that makes sense.
0: It kind of feels like GCW with more drama.
1: Yeah, that's Just what I'm thinking. Based on yeah. the
0: sheer nat- like number and quality of people it can continuously bring in.
1: Yeah, and you also got to think about like the amount of tickets they were selling. You know, this is, they were selling out. They did about a four year run where they could do no wrong. The wheels start to come off as, as anything involving Nobuyuki does, but the wheels start to come off after a while because they just haven't got the money to do the big shows. And that's really what they were all about. These small shows were kind of a bonus. But yes, so Shin Hashimoto destroys this poor unfortunate in a big match. Um, and again, was, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. If you want to snap it, what Hashimoto was like in the early 2000s, this is a good example of it.
0: Afro and all.
1: Yes. Um, shall we move on to the main event?
0: Yeah, because this is um another one of those what the fuck moments.
1: Yes. In this particular match, Dan Bobish and Piranha Monster Z. It was tragic. Defeated Toshiyaki Kawada and Watsuru Sakata in 12 minutes and 24 seconds.
0: That Kawada.
1: Yes, and that Sakata, to be honest, he was quite famous too. Um, Sakata was, um, he was a, uh, uh, yeah he a mixed martial artist. He was trained by Animal Hamaguchi, Akira Maido and Kiyoshi Tamura. So he'll come from your rings. Um, also had a pretty good pro wrestling background. An excellent drop kick. Did you notice that drop kick where he actually landed on his front? He did a backflip drop kick that was really cool Toshiaki Kawada being Toshiaki Kawada, Dan Bobbish was an American indie wrestler with a mixed martial arts background who was quite big and had indeed eaten all of the pies and the protein to go with them because he was quite large in every particular sense Uh, and he was known as Bull Dan Bobbish. hence the reason why he comes down to ring in a bull's mask Piranha Monster Z was dreadful and was quite clearly green as grass Greenest costume
0: he was wearing
1: Exactly and Kawada Who was noted for being a bit stiff Anyway tried to square him Up into some form of (laughs) you will sell (laughs) 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 By hitting him incredibly Hard like even by Kawada's standards like Kawada was known as the heaviest of heavy Hitters in all Japan pro wrestling Genuinely a tough guy who Hit everything really hard to make sure it Looked good and I felt sorry for Piranha Zed after watching that because he really got hammered by Kawada, who was was clearly offended to be in the same ring as him.
0: There's a reason we never see Piranha Monster Z again.
1: (laughs) I'd run away if I were him, to be honest with you.
0: That's it. i tell you what this reminds me of. I've been trying to rack my brain to remember something. This is what would happen if Saban entertainment did a wrestling company So, ban okay. obviously being responsible for power Rangers.
1: yes yes very much so i think that's really where we're at with this it was um it, it's an intriguing layout of a wrestling show and it is like uh, yeah it is you're absolutely right it's just like try and create as many characters as you possibly can to create different matches um, but the interesting part is not that's not the end of the show There's still half an hour left For promos Because Ogawa comes out to do The babyface promo Then Takada comes out With his own theme tune to deal the heel promo While smoking a cigar And awkwardly
0: know, watching People imitate the sick At him
1: <laughs> Yes, there was also some Bad, bad things As far as salutes were concerned Things like, generally associated with the Italian fascist movement.
0: They obviously don't mean it this way. They're just trying to make it look like, oh yeah, he's a fascist dictator, so he expects this kind of thing. <laughs> but just when you watch something fifteen years later, and you're just like, oh god, you'd never see that again outside of Deep South.
1: Yeah, like is is something for you? Is not one today, right? Um. Soundwave, the Twitter wrestling account, for it on, which was today the Texas Longhorns, who are the Texas State uh, football team uh, did a Halloween tweet, which was a Longhorn with a ghost-like white sheet over him. But of course, because it's a cow, it only goes over the cow's head, so it's a cow wearing a white hood in the middle of Texas.
0: Is it a member of the Cowcare Care? Care?
1: Hey, (laughs) however, you know, I am not being funny. The Texas Museum of Slavery is literally at the end of the street. I have walked from the Texas Museum of Slavery to uh, Millennium Memorial Stadium in Austin, Texas. The guy probably drove past the building every day of the week. Could you not be more sensible, please? Anywho, the modern world in which they took it down, by the way, (laughs) unsurprisingly. Um, but yeah, so, and basically the layout for those particular promos bring the matches together, and uh, because these are quite early in Hustle's history, they're still recruiting the Hontai army, and Agawa manages to recruit uh, Kawada and Taichi on this particular show as well, because um, Kawada's not completely convinced and eventually throws his lot in. There is also the um, uh, the competing... Um, signature call-outs to hustle. There's the Monster Army's Do the Hustle as in the 1970s disco song Do the Hustle and um, there's the Hontai's Hip Thrusts I guess is what you call them where they, they essentially just go I'm not, it's great audio this but Hip Thrust, Hustle Hip Thrust, Hustle You have to see it to believe it that that was like a corporate um, motto. Japanese fans loved it, though.
0: I mean, I feel like that would be the more appropriate one for the monster team because it could be literally a, like attributed as fuck hustle.
1: Exactly, that's what you'd think. But no, no, no. The Hontai team did have the the uh, cornered the market on overly sexual uh, gestures.
0: I would like to know why most of the Hontai were wearing t-shirts that said, I'm chicken on them. I don't know. Like That was was what I kept seeing and I'm just like, did you lose a bet? Was there a bet on a previous show and you just have to wear those shirts now?
1: There were, I, I do like the fact that Kawada and Tai Chi were wearing Kawada t shirts. Kawada, known for not being, never smiling. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he had a t shirt that was him just being miserable. It was like a little uh, chibi uh, manga figure of him being absolutely miserable. Um, the reason why Kawada didn't smile much is he had no teeth. Um, but there you go. Um, should we move on to night two? Volume two, I should say.
0: Where the names just keep on coming.
1: They do Akuta Hidaki and Minoru Fujita to beat Kazayashi and Spanky in thirteen minutes and forty seconds in another outstanding Lucha Libre style match.
0: It's so weird seeing early Minoru Fujita compared to him now. Like he's still my favorite, one of my favorite wrestlers on the planet. But it's just like there's been a drastic. Sort of, this is pre-death match Fujita, I think. <laughs> where yeah, he
1: was. Sorry, he was, I was going to say, he was a part of the BJW Dojo and he was trained both by uh, the BJW Dojo and Tajiri, so that's where his aerial and technical prowess comes from.
0: And Hidaka, I'd seen again through 2003 MLW. It's just... Yeah, another incredible match full of incredible talent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just... 13 minutes and 40 seconds of proper IFL and wrestling. It's exactly what you want to open a show. Can't go wrong. Really good. It's like thoroughly really enjoyable.
0: Lever in the structure of these tips. Because you get this opening tag match, then you get the preamble like promo stuff. So it's like, right, we've wet your appetite with wrestling. Onto the story.
1: Yeah, that was it. And uh you get more story in this one. Uh, uh, amazingly, uh Shimada is miraculously recovered from the injuries. He picked up on the stadium show. I think the second stadium show they had, where uh, I think Ogawa took took uh, umbrage with his fast counts and just beat the shit out of him. Um, he'd been walking around with his leg in the cast and the neck in a uh, neck in a sling, <laughs> neck in a sling, yes. Um, uh, for about a week before this, and for from the previous show, and Takada magicked all of his stuff away because he was going to wrestle in the main event. And tag with Dan bobbish, which we'll find out more about later. Um, but, yeah, that was basically the build-up for the main event, and everything else was building up towards the main event. Um, so the next up was Ricky Choshu, who defeated Psycho the Death in 3 minutes and 14 seconds. In a similar experience of Ricky Choshu not really wanting to play along with the whole thing because he's a professional wrestling legend, and Psycho the Death is a... Uh, Rookie from Austin. In a hospital so, therefore. <laughs> yes, with arguably the worst gimmick in the world. Um, so, yeah, it, it was Ricky Chosu at his most Chosu. Your thoughts, John? This was hilarious.
0: Just watching Ricky Chosu uninterestingly <laughs> walk <laughs> around for three minutes, scrapping with a guy in a hospital gown, all while looking like someone had farted in his presence.
1: <laughs> oh dear, yeah, there's nothing to this. They got, they got their asses. He got his ass kicked in all ways possible.
0: <laughs> Josh, you didn't want to be
1: there. He was no. Ben
0: Kingsleying to Shit. It, like, it
1: just...
0: he, here's my payday. Here's the, here's the sort of least amount I can do. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens whenever Bruce Willis walks onto a film set these days. Yeah. In a wrestling yeah. match in 2004 <laughs> With a mental <laughs> patient gimmick.
1: Yeah, well that was it. It was just kind of like Psycho of the Death got a few things in. Clothesline. Go home. <laughs>
0: oh yes, the doll was there, was it? Or was it Sorry? Just... Was the doll even there this time?
1: I think he got clotheslined out of his boots. Uh, with Psycho the Death, to be honest, but there you go. It was it was Chosu at full lariat, and that was <laughs> about it. That's all you can say for it. Should we go move on to the next one? Yeah. So Hustle Cayman Blue and Hustle Cayman Red. He was two were um, proteges of Ultimo Dragon, so you can imagine they were a bit high flyy. Versus Devil pieroth One and Devil pieroth Two who I feel had a striking resemblance to Vampire 16 and Vampire Twenty Five Twenty Three, 23. Except now, they were clowns. Yes. See, I was hoping for actual Pieroth, you know, the the family of wrestlers from Mexico. I was clearly hoping for far too much. <laughs> uh, but could... this,
0: this match amounted to Power Rangers versus clown. Yeah.
1: Power which is, of course, the eternal struggle. Power Rangers versus Clowns. And yeah, Cayman, I, again, you're right, what was the company was saying about earlier? like The inventors of Power uh-huh. Rangers. Yeah, Saban, that, that's basically what they, if they could design wrestlers, they'd look like this.
0: They actually do Sentai as well.
1: I'm going to have to go yeah.
0: <laughs> Media company.
1: But yeah, I mean, it... There was nothing wrong with it, was there?
0: Man's American. I hmm. thought they were Japanese. That probably explains why they ripped Sentai off so much. Oh,
1: know. If you want to find out about the history of Power Rangers, there is the Toys That Made Us on Netflix. Will tell you the whole story.
0: Yeah, I, I do need to get around to watching that. It's a
1: good series. There's really cool stuff on it. Anywho, there was nothing wrong with this wrestling match, was there?
0: Any chance was Toei or Bandai involved in Hustle?
1: No, Bandai was no, they weren't. No, there was no toy manufacturers involved.
0: Just Toei SDE, up, Yeah, they, they were, were kind of Sentai Rangers and things like that.
1: Yeah, they were. They were on like they were kind of related to Pride and Cray One, but they were. They got the office right at the end of the street, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right at the end of the building. I don't think. I don't think they were in neighboring offices and stuff. So um, the Hustle company actually carried on after the parent company finished. And the last few Hustle programs were edited in the Pride um, uh, TV editing suite, believe Hmm. it or not. So there you go. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Should we go on to the next one? Because this one's just weird.
0: Yeah, this... um, I don't know what to make of this one.
1: So... Hirokota Yokoi, who was uh, a wrestler who'd been going for about four years, kind of a rookie. Um, and yeah. He'd
0: just beaten Psycho the Death of the previous.
1: show. Yes. Kezu Yusai, who is now known as Gainer, and wrestles for several companies. is a is a um, freelancer. Who uh, was the last people he wrestled for? That's a look of his career. Oh, he's wrestled for everybody. He's wrestled for BJW. He's wrestled for uh, many independents and stuff. He's wrestled for Gain. Well, his own promotion. Yeah, he's he's pretty active at the moment. Um, CPW. CPW seems to have got a lot of these guys, to be honest with you. He used to wrestle for OWE. He's wrestled for kind He's wrestled for Noah. He's wrestled for DDT. He's been all over the place. He's one of those guys. Um, and... The aforementioned Shimoji Fuji, who got his ass whooped in the previous show, they went up against Mike Mark Coleman, genuine pride fighting UFC hard man, Himalayan Bigfoot, who was from Himalaya and he had a big foot
0: yeah, and little big feet, big arms, and was basically a yeti.
1: Yes, and Commander Odanjo, who was 300%. the second. <laughs> He was the second in command to Generalissimo to Garda. Yoji Anjo is still, still the 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 favorite thing about I've ever come across about Yoji Anjo was the fact he had he went down to fight Hicks and Gracie and challenged him in his own gym and left the building with a broken face. <laughs> I think it was just because <laughs> he was an idiot. Um, but yeah, seven minutes and nineteen seconds of a pretty awful wrestling match until Coleman came in and started doing something positive.
0: It's take... just like Himalayan Bigfoot slowly lumbering around, knocking people down for the most part.
1: Yes. Uh, and Joe did a lot of shooty-style stuff, and then Coleman just started suplexing people, and that improved things no end.
0: Yeah, Coleman was the only one here who really <laughs> knew how to save the match.
1: Yes. <laughs> But they basically did it by throwing Yusu, uh, sorry Fuji around as much as he could. But fact, I think Fuji landed on his head, to be honest, a couple of times. He's but yeah,
0: about no. At this point, from the looks of things,
1: it was pretty much all he was there for, really, was to get thrown around and landed on his head. Um, but yeah, and again, it was all Monster Army versus Hontai.
0: It's like Yeti gimmicks don't work. <laughs> it didn't work in WCW, and it didn't work here.
1: No, well, Frankenstein gimmicks don't work either because they're slow-moving, big and ploddy. That doesn't make them for entertaining professional wrestling in any way, shape or form.
0: I don't know. Maybe I'll just make one and have a rocket attached to his gear so he can move around quickly. <laughs> You've seen Frankenstein. Now behold, Rocket Frankenstein. <laughs> My monster will beat the fastest luchadors. Triple <laughs> <laughs> A bucket, you know you want to.
1: Probably would do, to be honest. All right, then we go on to the semi main event, which was, which involved Hizikari and Monster C. Now Hizikari, as we said, what was his previous name? Uh, Katakiri. Ah, that's, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's actually,
0: Katakiri, but that's something yeah, very different.
1: Ah, uh, his real name is Gabriel Gallo, and he's from Prescott, Arizona, and he was trained by CC Star, Navajo Warrior Mike Knox and Derek Nelkirk.
0: Hmm.
1: And one, well, oh God, no! I'm not even going to mention The, the name on that needs to be deleted. What Anywho, no, I, I don't, I don't want to mention it. No. Where is it? Okay,
0: I'll have a look myself. Where is it?
1: It's on the. It's if you look at the profile of Izakari from the night two, you get the link from there. Then you'll see a comment by a person at the bottom. You won't want to repeat it. His name, anyway, or their name.
0: Oh, it's a South Park reference.
1: Yes, but but don't mention it now. Right, (laughs) listen. So Izakari comes out with Angio battering a drum in his honour um and that kind of like sets off his theme music occasionally through this so the crowd have something to chant along to which when you're a heel i don't think that's really appropriate myself but there you go um tai chi is tai chi in this young boy mode Toshiaki kawada comes to the ring dressed like bruce lee in his signature colors which is yellow and black which is quite interesting because monster c is dressed in black and yellow as the exact opposite of him. And Monster C, for those of you keeping score at home, is in fact Steve Carino, which brings us back to the very beginning of this podcast, What hey. you said Steve Carino. It it's all all comes together. We we think about this stuff, and it doesn't just happen. Yeah, Steve Carino, in, obviously, like we said earlier, was friends with Shinya Ashimoto and Nagawa, so it was only going to be that long before he turned up. This he was Carino.
0: Carino as well, because he was the most charismatic man in the match, even though he was behind a mask with the letter a, C
1: on it. And, and in a full bodysuit. <laughs> but yeah, and Kawada did Kawada things, and Carino did Carino things, and Chi did a lot of screaming, um, and Izakari did a lot of font stomping, and that was about the, the peak of his... Com- uh, his... Uh, um... What's the word contribution that's what I was looking for to the match, and it was fine. It wasn't like you know, flare steamboat or anything, it couldn't have been bad with at least three people who knew what they were doing in this particular match. I'll watch Carino versus Kawhi all day long. Um, but yeah, what did you think of this, John?
0: Yeah, I've quite enjoyed it mainly because, yeah, when you get the like Carino and the other three not called his Akari involved, it's just fun, they all know what they're doing, they're all having fun. and yeah, there's some questionable moments with war drums. Yes. Also, just apologies if you can hear a dog barking. We're starting to get trick-or-treaters.
1: Ah, there you go. That is the thing. I kind of expected to have trick-or-treaters this evening and then realize i I've moved to a village where there are no children. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a blessing, to be honest.
1: I, I, Honest to God, I have not seen many kids as I've been walking around. And there must be, because there's, there's a primary school here. But, yeah, a bit strange. Anywho. He's going
0: to walk past the cornfield one day. They're going to all be in there with blue eyes trying to sacrifice someone to some kind of demon. And that's Probably. why you never see them, because they only come out at night.
1: <laughs> Anywho, uh, we get to our main event, which is Dan the Bull Bobbish tagging with aforementioned former referee and general you know, pain in the backside, Yuji Shimada. And they go up against Ryuji Sai and Wataru Sakata and beat them in 10 minutes and 11 seconds. When Bobbish, uh, I think he is size, isn't he? he? He hammers him um,
0: you know, yeah. with a
1: big, big set of maneuvers at the end. This was there was nothing wrong with this. There was uh, this was good storytelling, especially when Sakata encouraged the referee to actually p- perform a splash on 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 uh, Shimada. That was funny. I liked it. It was just generally like good.
0: Bobish trying to make, like occasionally go to make a tag and Shimada just being like, nope, no, 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 I don't want this, no.
1: It's not my moment yet, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was fun. It was like it was kind of like old school. It, essentially, if you were, if you saw the Danny Davis in the eighties kind of routine that he had with the Hart Foundation, the British Bulldogs, you pretty much got this match. It's just that really. It was it was kind of a mix of old school wrestling tropes and heel referees from North America mixed into this pure wrestle mess.
0: <laughs> <sighs> it was just fun like again this these shows aren't going to be the best things to watch ever but they are fun and they are that's, silly and they are goofy and people are enjoying the fuck out of it
1: <laughs> that's basically what it boils down to, it's fun wrestling it's not serious, dead serious pure wrestling, though there are some dead serious moments in it and I think if we probably watch the arena shows they might be taking us slightly more seriously with their uh, the big matches stuff. But yeah, no, it Hustle's insane in a good way. And it's developed this kind of like cult following amongst Puro fans because it did things so differently. You know, I think the first to really try entertainment as professional wrestling was FMW. Um, and they were trying to do it for the wrong reasons. That Well, not the wrong reasons. They weren't doing it in a pure format. They were doing it because they couldn't afford to run big deathmatch shows anymore and do the big arena stuff that they used to do. So they were trying to create a company based on stuff that was less attrition and more story to make people's careers last a bit longer so everyone could make a bit more money.
0: Christ. What's up? I'm looking at the first ever Hustle, Sean. Just listen to this card. Okay. Four-way match. Loki defeats Junkasai, King Adamo and Mikami. Zebra man defeats Akuto Hidaka. Koji Kazu, Kaz Hayashi and Satoshi Kojima <laughs> defeat Dos Kadis Jr. and Solar. Kevin Randleman and the Predator defeat Emblem, which is Masato Tanaka and Shinji Hiro Otani. Giant Silver defeats Katsuhishi, Fiji and Kohei Wow In 2 minutes and 18 seconds (laughs) Shinya Hashimoto defeats Vader, holy shit there was a Vader vs Hashimoto match
1: Oh that that, there'd been a couple of them by then because New Japan had been running that, they'd wrestled in New Japan in the early 90s the big money matches came in much later when Hashimoto was a bigger star
0: I'm just thinking of Dos Karras, Mil Mascaris and Zico Delicor Jr. defeated Dusty Rhodes, Steve Carino and Tom Howard.
1: Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, yeah. No, they got people out of all sorts of things.
0: I think this main event is the weirdest one, though, because it's like man- Toshiaki Kawada defeated Mark Coleman in a what looks like a pretty quick, brutal little sort of shoot match. And main event... Bill Goldberg defeats Naoya O'Gawa.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: What Uh, the fuck is that card?
1: Well, that that was the thing. That was the opening card. That was Takada's pick to go up against O'Gawa was Bill Goldberg. Because when you want a monster, you pick Goldberg, don't you? Obviously.
0: They they must have had some kind of working relationship with MLW as well, because we've got... Homicide, Loki, C.W. Anderson of the Extreme Horseman. Kojima would have been MLW world champion at this time, I think.
1: Yeah, but it was probably more likely to go through the All Japan agreement, I would think. MLW definitely had an agreement with All Japan because they wouldn't have got Kojima otherwise. So I think because of all the All Japan people, like Kawada was involved and Hashimoto was on good... good terms with a guy with uh, all japan because he was triple crown champion then i think that was probably more likely that the mlw stuff came along with the deal if that made sense
0: yeah it's just holy shit man yeah i'm just looking through some of these cards and they're incredible
1: really hard to find these days i'm guessing the good people of rudo reels and ivp video might be able to help you out if you want to really watch this stuff uh, but you'd have to wait for them to make CDs for you, But or, uh, DVDs for you. But well worth it because you know there were some incredible dream matches. They spent money like it was literally going out of fashion. Co-op. These, you know. This is Mick Foley. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, this 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 was good stuff. This was kind of like dream match booking. There was some ridiculous ten eight man main events. I think Funk came out of retirement for him as well. And oh, it's yeah. Insane stuff. Oh, Funk could come out of retirement for a cup of coffee. But, it's like
0: you know, booking wrestling.
1: It's, uh, it just was... The whole concept was Kawa- uh, Takada was going to destroy professional wrestling. And that was the whole principle. Eventually, they got rid of Takada as the a, as a generalismo character because they wanted to go in a completely different direction and went back to being a regular professional wrestling kind of company. And obviously, that didn't go down so well. Because... <laughs> the it's the same as anything else and it's the same thing as we've discussed many times with many different wrestling companies the moment you try and change a product that has its core audience as your main issue then you're going to cause yourself bother you know i think that's one of the reasons why wwe didn't offend its core audience in new york was because it just had room to grow outside of new york Whereas, like, say, Ring of Honor's core audience didn't want Ring of Honor to be anything else but Ring of Honor, which, of course, gives you problems because you can't grow or change to kind of encourage depth of your particular audience. And I don't think that's the reason why Ring of Honor has had the unfortunate things that happened to it that it has done. I think that's more to do with the fact they tried to do exactly the right thing by paying everybody properly during coronavirus and couldn't run any shows. Um, which means when you've got all outgoings and no incomings, things are gonna be problematic, aren't they? But there we go. But yeah, what's your final thoughts on these two shows, John?
0: Yeah, they were they were great. Like I when I got to the first sort of show and the monsters started appearing, I'm like, Okay, what the fuck is this? But as I kept going, it's just like, Okay, this is clownish, it's goofy, but holy shit, it's fun. And it's there is really good wrestling in this. Like it it never gets really beyond the realm of like, oh, they're shit at this, but they're being carried by everyone else around them. Like there's no bad matches. It's all pretty fluid and it's just so surreal watching all these sort of Japanese promos you don't understand, so you're trying to sort of piece them together through hand motions and just shocked reactions. It's quite it's quite an experience. (laughs) So yes. And like what you said at the start, which is like, oh, well, this is probably going to be the only episode of them. I would love to keep going with this because it is hilarious.
1: If we can find any more, of course. We do yeah, have the rule that you've, the got able, you've got to be able to be able to easily find it. Now, there's a couple of different little bits from Hustle on the internet, um, but four shows are hard to come by. But if you find one that you want us to have a look at, then please let us know. Okay then, well that pretty much covers the Troopany show for today. Thank you very much for listening to us. I'm James Troopany. John, where can we find you on the internet sir?
0: You can find me at John Deathman on Twitter. That is the gateway to hell that will give you all of my writings, opinions, the occasional wrestling picture from ashore and just yeah, it's all good fun and very little offensive shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can find me offensive shit.
0: You can find, find me. at man clutching a teddy.
1: Yeah, there you go. You can find me at James Trooper. Sorry, I know you can. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star. You can find The Troop Show. Let's try that again. Hey, you can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find The Show, Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, or The Troopany Show, on on Patreon, The Troopany Show, where you can keep The Troopany Show free forever for everyone. We hope you enjoyed the show today um we'll be back next week i believe there's a big new japan show to have a look at on the 7th of november i'm trying to do the math yeah that'll be next weekend maybe we will look at that next week there's some stuff happening we know are in tjpw we'll probably look at that anywho take care we'll see you soon bye